Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This week in PlayStation, we're talking about no Elder Scrolls 6 for PlayStation 5. What PS5's 2024 exclusive lineup could look like in Tim's time with Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. We'll have all this and more because this is PSI Love You XOXO. Welcome to the show, everybody. That's Tim. I'm Greg, and you can get PSI Love You XOXO over on patreon.com slash kindoffunny. There you can watch us record it live, get it ad-free, and get dozens of monthly episodes, all for your own perusal, enjoyment, and exclusive pleasure. Uh, If you have no bucks to toss our way, support us on the Epic Game Store, Fortnite, Rocket League, or Fall Guys with the creator code kindoffunny. You can get PSI Love You XOXO for free with ads and without all the exclusive content on youtube.com slash games and podcast services around the globe. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Brave Athos, Jedi Master Deadpool, Delaney Twining. Today, we're brought to you by BetterHelp, but let's start with a PSN message from you, Tim. Yes. Two exclusive previews in a row. Two PSI love yous in a row for you. I love it. it How's that good. feel? It feels real good, honestly. Yeah. I got to play uh, Spider-Man 2, like you're alluding to. Uh, and we talked about that on last week's PSI love you. This week, get to talk about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Uh, really kind of living my best video game life, Greg. Yeah. Uh, it's rare I get to go to a preview event these days. It's rare preview events happen sure. like they used to in a, sure. in a, in a, in a post-COVID um, world. So um, being back in L.A., surrounded by uh, games media, playing brand new video games that are awesome, it feels good. Yeah. It, it felt special. It was very uh, nostalgic in, of, in and of itself. Uh, just be around people playing games, but there was also just an energy, and there's something about being at a preview event where the games are good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, like yeah. is extra, extra special. So talking really about this, obviously, every listen to last week's PS, I love you, XOXO. They know about Spider-Man Two. Mm-hmm. They're gonna find out momentarily about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man Two. You talk about being an in-person preview event. Mm-hmm. Really went that extra mile with yes. statues and Craven's throne and all this different stuff. Blah blah. blah. Did Rebirth do something similar? Or no, okay. no, no. Rebirth was uh, uh, definitely a lot less. It was just uh, just in an office, you know, uh, a bunch of demo kiosks. Sure. Very similar if we did an event here yeah, where yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah. of like in the lab, just a bunch of uh, setups next to each other you get to play. We saw a little short presentation, um, a video from a lot of the voice actors and uh, the directors of the game um, and things like that. Whereas the PlayStation event, yeah, that was one of the more all-out events I've ever been to. Yeah. Uh, it felt like going to an e3 where um there's like the big game like the breath of the wild takes up like a third of the convention floor or like if there is a a bigger game skyrim i remember having a really big activation it kind of felt like that but it was just spider-man um and like there was a lot of stuff that i mean you could see in all the videos that other people posted um but there's a lot of stuff that i don't even i haven't seen on the internet that was there like one of the main rooms like the big lunch room that we were able to all gather in like uh around the interview space was like themed like coney island okay like there, it was just like and there was active like um hot dog vendors. like hot dog vendors and like cotton candy and like uh carnival games that you could play okay it was uh it was a lot and i will say uh for as amazing as the whole event was uh nothing i enjoyed least least less you less, know less, less less than um out of nowhere, every couple minutes, balloons just popping because people are throwing oh, like the, the darts at them, and it, it, it was uh, a little gun shoddy. <laughs> you okay. know what I mean? Okay. Didn't like that at all. Well, 
Didn't like go. that. See, it blew uh, back on him. Yeah, yeah, I thought Spider-Man 2 had the runaway best event, but apparently a yeah. little gunshot. Right, besides that. that, though, it really did. Great, fantastic event. Um, and then I feel like without all the, the extra stuff, because like the extra stuff, it's fun and it's silly. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But like uh, very, very high quality experience uh, in terms of how they let us play the demo of it. And uh, I mean, yeah, I played almost three hours of Spider-Man 2. And they just how many hours of like, Rebirth you play? Rebirth is a little tougher. So Rebirth, I got to play two different sections. There's okay. two, two separate demos, actually. Um, that uh, people will be able to play at TGS if you're out there. Um, one of them was more story-based, and one of them was like giving us a little taste of the open world. Okay. The story-based one, they said, was about 15 to 20 minutes, and then the, um, the open world bit was like supposed to be about 45 minutes. Okay. In actuality... I feel like both of them were about double the length that oh, they wow. said. Okay. Um, yeah, so I feel like, like, and it wasn't just me. I feel like seeing everybody kind of where we were. Like, yeah, everyone seemed to have played, we were told, an hour total, and it felt closer to two hours total. I want to hear all about Rebirth, but before that, I, of course, want to start with a PSN message from you. You can write in to be part of the show, kindoffunny.com slash P-S-I-L-Y, just like Christian Buckley did. Christian says, hey, Greg and Tim, so far this generation, it seems like the PS5 gets two to three Big exclusive releases per year. Uh, 2022 saw Gran Turismo, Horizon Forbidden West, and God of War Ragnarok, where this year we get Final Fantasy uh, 16 and Spider-Man 2. Lots of shade there at Forbidden West, but we'll let it... Or uh, the, uh, the, the uh, Burning Shores. So Horizon, Forbidden West, Burning Shores deals. Uh -huh. You know I'm driving at that. Yeah, who could have forgot that? It rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Uh, look, and all, I guess all the PlayStation VR 2 games as well. Yeah, uh, looking true. into 2024, we know Concord is coming with, I mean, we know Concord is coming and with Bungie focusing on the final expansion of Destiny 2's Light and Dark Saga next year, I doubt they have Marathon ready to launch on top of that. So assuming we get another big three exclusives, what's the best case scenario for 2024's lineup? Concord, Fair Games, and Final Fantasy VII Rebirth? Does Wolverine or Death Stranding 2 have a realistic shot of making it? And how would you both feel if the majority of next year's PlayStation exclusives end up being experimental live service multiplayer titles? Timothy. A lot here, man. I mean, even uh, I think since this uh, question was written in, we got the answer for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. February 29th, yep. getting uh, a release, uh, which is very exciting. Sooner than I think most people anticipated. Uh, even I was on the train of thinking Rebirth was coming sooner than we would think. This is earlier than that. Really? Yeah, I, I was thinking March, like uh, maybe uh, April, uh, which would coincide with Final Fantasy VII Remake's release uh, back in 2020. But uh, yeah, that February 29th is uh, earlier than expected, especially hot off the heels of Final Fantasy XVI sure. being this sure. June. So yeah, Square's big AAA Final Fantasy projects kind of being uh, belted out here, which is uh, me and Buster. Maybe talking one about. day they'll meet expectations. Uh, What's up? Maybe one day they'll meet expectations for I'm, sales. I'm oh, talking about this, the news yeah, in the past yeah. week where they were like, oh, yeah, whatever. Square Enix stock still not great. And yeah, we're mad yeah, about yeah. That, that's, that's, man, like, it, it really, really, really blows my mind how much people can twist things to being one way or another just, like, by either adding or emitting words where it's, like, the blame on Final Fantasy 16 for their stock being down, it's, like, why does this feel like you have a weird agenda against <laughs> this game? Like, it's, it's truly, truly bizarre. But, um... Yeah, I, I feel like uh, Square's really been proving to me and to many gamers out there that, like, the joke of their, their games being delayed constantly and, like, oh, will we ever fucking see it? It's, like, getting harder and harder to make that joke. There's still many jokes we could still make, Greg. Don't worry. I love making okay. jokes. Can we make some jokes? Yeah, let's make some hot jokes. Um, but, but, yeah, I feel like with that kind of now being secured, and I don't expect that to move, um, that's a big one for exclusivity uh, in terms of PS5 games. I think Wolverine's next year. You do. I do, man. Okay. I, and I, it goes back. I feel like everything I just said about the square side of stuff of, hey, man, they're kind of hitting things time and time again now in terms of the big projects and big promises. They're delivering. Insomniac are the kings of that. Insomniac, sure. this, this era, this generation specifically with PS5, they have just been putting out banger after banger in so many different ways, whether it's a full title like Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, a remaster like Spider-Man, or a somewhere in between uh, big game title with Miles, um, and then Spider-Man 2 coming. We know Wolverine's coming. I, I think that with Spider-Man 2, with what I played as Spider-Man 2, and with how polished it is, and with the way that Insomniac is talking, I, I, there's a confidence and there's a, oh, we got this. And I, I honestly, I think there's a dog in them. I think that there's the, the conversations we've been having forever about like, we love Insomniac, 
But when do they become an S-tier When do they become an S-tier? This S-tier conversation, I feel like they they hear that. And they're oh, like, they oh, okay, you know what? We're going to show up. And and that take their time to show up. Show up doesn't necessarily mean that we need a game every six months from them. But <laughs> if they can prove that they can do that type of thing, not six months, but you get what I'm saying. 100%. I think Wolverine's 2024. I think that there's I a chance it gets pushed, but I, I think that I think that it's the most likely outcome. Of course, you know, industry insider Jeff Grubb has been on the record, right, as saying he's heard as early as fall 2024, but very much the talk, studio is still talking about 2025 being a case there. And so, yeah, since this question was written in, because I did pull and I did omit something, one mm-hmm. of the games uh, that Christian had tossed in here was talking about next year and was saying, you know, uh, okay, so what's it going to be? Is it going to be uh, Rebirth and Helldivers? He tossed Helldivers in there. Of course, Helldivers is now officially uh, February 8th, 2024 as well. And this is where you start getting into the weird one of like, the question stems from two to three big exclusives a year. Are we counting Helldivers as a big exclusive? I'm excited for Helldivers. I know the world might not be, but I'm still stoked to see it. So it's like, you look at that, it's like Helldivers, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, right? Confirmed. Wolverine, questionable. I wouldn't bank on it. I would hope because I want to play that game as soon as possible. I wouldn't bank on it. Uh, and then Concord is in there because, of course, when Concord got announced, it had a 2024 release date on it. I can't fathom that game coming out next year. Mm. And that's not me based on anything insider or any, questioning the quality of it. It's just that when you announce this game and you have, all right, cool, here's uh, it's May. It's this big thing. They just show the ship flying through space in a CG trailer, right? And they're like, we're coming 2024. And this would be then... I, I, you can include Helldivers, but I'm not going to. This, I think, would be the tip of the iceberg. This is PlayStation Live services. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think they're they're going to work out a lot of kinks, and I think there's gonna they're going to learn a lot of lessons as they get going on that over at Firewalk. So I don't think 2024. Maybe that's just me being you know conservative, glass half empty. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the glass half empty is not the wrong approach when it comes to these live service games because we've seen so many fail in the last couple of years and for PlayStation to take such a big swing on so many of them uh, with different perspectives and backgrounds in terms of how they're, what they're trying to accomplish, but they clearly are experimenting and trying to create a new vertical for themselves in in terms of what we think of as first person, first party Sony studio projects. Um, And even though we're pushing back on it, they are pushing for it. So um, these things are going to happen. I do think that how these games are marketed and talked about is going to have to be different than the way that they talk about their single player games and what we expect and know from them. So I feel like we just have too little information at this point and too few patterns to be able to even try to gleam some type of understanding of a roadmap out of. Um, so yeah, I feel like it's, it's equally likely or unlikely. Exactly. It's sort of just cat right now. I just think that more than likely games get delayed yeah. it seems and i would think that there's a lot of moving parts to concord so i'm not going to do that I, w- I wouldn't bet on concord being there so hell divers final fantasy and then you get into the interesting stuff of like i put rise of the ronin on here right from uh koei tecmo mm-hmm. obviously silent hill 2 death stranding 2 again these are exclusives we're talking about right and i'm not counting pc we're counting xbox stuff yeah yeah death stranding 2 uh then this is a, a very ignorant question that i should know the answer to death stranding never got ported to xbox right just pc correct Okay, interesting, yeah. So, yeah, that's another big one, man. How wild is it that PlayStation has exclusivity of Final Fantasy and... God damn it, Kojima. I'm wrong. Hold on, I'm Googling it as I was talking. I'm like, yes, no, it's on it, It's on Xbox. Oh, it is, okay. Yeah. Um, so Always annoying what's De- going on that fucking Xbox. Death Stranding 2, then, is uh, so far just exclusive to PlayStation? Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, they have that, like, those are huge third, second, however you want to talk about it, party um, developments there, so... Um, I feel like even when they don't have a year with multiple banger PlayStation Studio projects, they can lean on those things. Um, but with next well, remember, year, uh, yeah, I, I, it's exclusive, and Death Stranding is published by PlayStation, right? Yeah. So that's the thing of like the Death Stranding party, Two is being published, exactly. It. Yeah. Which they say doesn't exist anymore. It's a full first party in that realm, but yeah, yeah, realm, just p- tossing it out there to cover. Exactly. So I, personally, out of that thing, I mean, Silent Hill Two is going to happen. I imagine. I that, think so that's, too. that's what they've said, and I do think that Death Stranding Two comes. Next. Me too. So then I think my bet for what it would be would be more than two to three. I think you get Helldivers, unless you don't want to count that. The Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, and then Silent Hill 2 and Death Stranding 2. Yeah, I think you. I think we get Death Stranding 2 and Wolverine next year. God, I hope we get Wolverine next year. Yeah. Conquered, I'm real 50-50 on. Silent Hill 2, it's, I expect it. They said yeah. it's going to happen. And yeah. with the scale and scope of that game that we know of, like I, I think that they'll be able to. Um, Rise of the Ronin, I, I, I'm not up on enough to really make a call. Um 
But yeah, I and on top of that, I mean, let me ask you this. Is there something that's not here that we expect? No. I think the way games have been marketed and the way and I, we're talking about big exclusives. Yep. So like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think I I hope I eat my words. But I don't think there is a PlayStation Studio right now sitting there biding their time and they're going to announce theoretically, I guess, game awards and then launch next year. Yeah. Like, it's, I don't think that's going to happen with Ghost of Tsushima 2. I don't, even, I don't think Sony Ben's new IP is going to have that. I mean, who even is out? Who's available, right? A there's, lot. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of studios we don't know necessarily. But I mean, for the level we're talking about here, like for these big exclusives, because it is, it is Gorilla, Sony Santa Monica, Sucker Punch, yeah. uh, Insomniac. Did I say Naughty Dog? I mean, you didn't say no, or did you? I don't, even know. I don't know. But I, I mean, did you? I mean, Bend. Yeah, there's if, okay. They have an IP. Yeah, Blue yeah, Point. Yeah. What's Blue Point up to? Oh my God! Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, what is Blue Point up to, everybody? What? Uh, uh, gorilla. I mean, you can talk yeah. about there. I mean, House Mark. Like, yeah. I mean, again, I, I, what's a you, big exclusive? Or see, it's different thing, to everybody. But I, like, I what think, a great exclusive. Different question. And exactly. And like, the, you know, there are levels to this, and I do think that. Uh, Housemark are currently kind of at a uh, a graduation point potentially sure. after I Returnal. Like, yeah, yeah. After Returnal, their next one could be like a, a big, big hit. I mean, not to say Returnal wasn't. I think that was, but like I, Returnal seemed to be a much bigger hit than Resogunner. Anything, hundred uh, percent, undeniably, undeniably. So I feel like they're already in a different type of conversation. Uh, so what is their next game? And looking at their development timelines, we are due for an announcement from them, right? They've been working on porting. They've been working on um, enhancing uh, Returnal the last couple of years, too, adding up those modes and stuff. So. I feel like it's hard to look into uh, Housemark and come up with, oh, it's, we're about due. Because I think Returnal was such a different game for them. And obviously, the one that then, after it's published, they get acquired and become a different thing. And so now I would think if I was PlayStation, right? Like, the idea is I'm giving them money to fund their next game and their next idea and, like, Let's make this be your breakout success. Yeah. At which point, I don't think we're on like the next Machina, uh, you know, uh, Outland, like where they were churning these mm -hmm. smaller arcade, ar arcade gameplay they were known for titles to get out the door to keep the studio going to have people making games and making money. Yeah. Now I think you have the time to take a breath and look at what the successes of Returnal were because gameplay obviously was awesome, but so was the emergent storytelling and what they were doing there, right? So, what do you do taking that to your next? fully your first full we are a playstation studio mm -hmm. i think you give i think they get a lot of time with that and so yeah you know returnal came out in 2021 and then like you said it's been ported since then and stuff yeah, yeah so it's like they've definitely had time to be working on something but i think that's something you work on and you get fucking right yeah absolutely but yeah it's gonna be interesting because I, I think that they are about to enter that that top tier conversation yeah i think yeah next game's make or, uh, make, make or break on that and i think they'll fucking crush it I know it was weird, right? That was weird. I said make a break and then break <laughs> it up on the screen. I digress. Uh, we don't know what Housemark's working on, but we do know what Cloud Strife's working on, and that's mm. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Uh, Tim, you've already covered the big broad strokes. You went down to L.A. You played a bunch of it. It's coming out February 29th, 2024. There you are. That's me, my boy. Ignoring Cloud. Pointing my boy, Zach. Zach. Yeah. And completely ignoring Sephiroth, who's behind me. Um, this picture is actually really cool. The uh, like kind of key art they've put out for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Uh, Keen-eyed viewers out there Toss have, back up. have noticed that uh, um, the the colors on this key art here are s clearly segmented in kind of like three verticals. Yeah. And there's the this picture <laughs> with me is not the best way to show this, but uh, there's Cloud on the the left, Sephiroth in the middle, and Zach on the the right. And uh, on the right, Zach is in front of like a very blue. Uh, tinged part of this uh, uh, photo, which um, coincides with the Crisis Core uh, cover art colors. Gotcha. Then uh, we have uh, Cloud over there with the green, which is the more classic Final Fantasy VII uh, look, look of it all. So uh, it's just interesting kind of like what this means, like especially with the game that potentially is dealing with timelines and things like that, of like what they're trying to get across yeah. uh, with the, the color imagery of it all. Um, but in addition to this, around the room we were in, there was a, a whole bunch of different character posters um, with the same type of background. Was Jesse so there? We yeah, got no, no Jesse. Sorry, you know Andy. I mean, uh, but Tifa and Aerith uh, and, and and all of them. So um, that was all cool. And and yeah, I got to to play about two hours, like I was saying, two separate demos, one story based um, that was uh, a flashback uh, where you get to play as Cloud and Sephiroth together, oh. which was very very 
very cool. Uh, and then an open world bit uh, that's just outside of Junon, which is one of the bigger locations from the original game. Um, very, very iconic. A lot of story beats happened there. Um, got to play a little bit of the open world leading into that uh, section of the game um, with uh, just giving you a taste of like what that open world's going to be like in this game. Um, and you got to shuffle between a bunch of different party members in that as well. So the way that it works is very similar to Final Fantasy VII Remake, where uh, you have a three-party system, and you are able to, on the fly, in combat, switch between who you are actively controlling, and then you can also shout out commands to uh, your team to heal or do of whatever course. you need them to do. In between battles, you can switch out who's in your party. So uh, in the open world section I was in, I think that there was like five or six characters that you could choose and cycle between and then get them into your three party um party to do the different battles and depending on which battle you're in obviously some characters like barrett's more long range compared to uh Aerith, who's dealing with the magic and stuff teeth is getting in there and boxing so depending on if you're facing a flying enemy or like somebody that's more tanky like you might want to go in with a different strategy um but what was interesting is the open world stuff really focused on on hunts where there was a would be like points of interest around this like open space uh you can you can walk around and uh find a whole bunch of different um materials that you'll be able to then craft say, I'm crafting i'm crafting you're, you're crafting there's weapons so there's upgrades there's abilities it's all the stuff that you'd expect from an rpg uh, but then there's these different kind of um enemy encampments that you will find that the, area we were in there was three main big ones and as you go find them you can see on the top left of the screen here there's um extra challenges for each of the the big battles you get into so there'll be like three different like bonus challenges in, in addition to just beating the enemy so it'll be like pressure an enemy stagger an enemy and then uh defeat all the enemies within the time limit right sure and then you get better ranks on that you can actually replay the battles to be able to to do that um really just kind of adding more gameplay and more things to do uh okay. in the game which which is pretty cool very similar battle system to the first game like i was saying um which is awesome like i we all really enjoyed it Final our Fantasy game of the year make our game of the year in 2020 um and yeah absolutely loved that game and I, this this is uh kind of taking things out of the game a little bit and getting into where we're talking about like the preview events and all yeah, the yeah. stuff we've been going to it's really interesting to me because um the final fantasy 7 remake demo is something i will never forget we went down it was uh this was a uh, early 2020 like i think before the world went to hell it must have been and uh it was still a very very private thing me and bless both got to go but i think there was like five people total in this really small office in downtown san francisco and they just hand us the controller put headphones on and they're just like go for it and we got to play for like three hours and i was just blown away like i couldn't believe i was playing through a remake of seven that looked this good played this good sounded this good it was real yeah and it just it was one of the most surreal video game experiences i had because it was living up to every dream every expectation and just surpassing all of it and i remember walking out of that demo me and bless grabbing lunch and both of us just being dumbfounded and for different reasons him being new to the final fantasy 7 world but being like oh my god i get it and me being like no, you don't get it. Oh my dude. god, dude. Yeah, like yeah. this is crazy. Like we got to do the Airbuster boss fight with that music and that was just so good and it was just so over the top and hype and perfect and they just nailed the vibe of why Final Fantasy 7 special. So, that is always going to go down as one of my favorite preview demos ever. Yeah, yeah. Playing Spider-Man 2, I'm like, "Damn, this was like a pitch perfect demo." Like they any question that we could have had of like what makes spider-man 2 special they kind of answered it was just very very well designed how open it was but also how much of the main uh meat they were giving us it was just so 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 good so getting to this demo i this i i think that i'm going to be uh uh in the minority on this uh compared to a lot of the other previews that might be out there but i don't think this was that great of a demo wow yeah and like especially coming after spider-man and like oh my god how good it was and my memories of the Final Fantasy VII Remake demo, playing this, I was kind of like, huh. So is this a case of you weren't underwhelmed or overwhelmed, you were whelmed? Like, my, my problem with my hype or lack thereof for Rebirth has been that, you, I, you know, and I'm sure most people who watch know, I love Final Fantasy VII Remake, and I've never loved a Final Fantasy, period. 
I've tried seven so many times in the original PlayStation, never could do it, yada, yada, yada. This one I did play all the way through, had a great time, immediately hit you up afterwards and had you had to have you explain what the fuck's going on, like what's different, and yada, yada, yada. But like, I was like, wow, that was great. Years later, here with Rebirth on the horizon, I, I am like, but what, where did I leave off and what was going on? So it's like, I feel like it's a known quantity of what the combat and is, gameplay mm-hmm. is going to be, which I'm, ex- I'm, I'm going to be, en- I will enjoy to play again, but I'm not like, oh, I can't wait to get back to X, Y, and Z. It's just yeah. like, oh, I enjoyed that, so I'll enjoy this probably. Yeah, man, like there's, there's a lot to say here. Now, I, I want to just off the rip say, I enjoyed the hell out of this, and I can't wait for this game. I'm not sure. worried or concerned about this game whatsoever. Another game I of the year. You're think, calling it game of the year again. I'm not calling it game of the year. Hey, 2024, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But um, I do think that uh, it, it's awesome, and I can't wait for it. I just think that the demo itself wasn't that 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 special or, or, or like really, really great at showing what's going to make this game better than Remake okay. in the way that Spider-Man 2, I clearly know what makes it better than Miles Morales and Spider-Man. Gotcha. Um, I do think it's also an uphill battle in some ways for them. And some of those include the fact that people are most nostalgic for the opening hours of Final Fantasy VII because they're the ones that most people have replayed the most because that's just how games work and time works. And the Midgar section is something that, you know... Iconic. It's iconic. And people also, when they replay, like, I'm going to beat Final Fantasy VII again. Yeah, great attempt, but really you're going to make it 10 hours in. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So I just feel like there's like extra nostalgia for all of that. But, you know, the hardcore people, most people's favorite part of the game is post Midgar. Like it's when it really opens up. So I think that a lot of this is going to speak very loudly to a lot of people. Um, I mean, I know that for a fact it's Final Fantasy VII. But I think to your point about like being lost in the story and all that, I think they'll catch you up as much as you possibly could be it is yeah, very yeah. convoluted and timelines and stuff that we they're dealing with but i i imagine that they're going to like set the stage for the greg millers of the world that loved remake but it's been three years even since then they'll get you caught up um and they they're really stressing that like they're trying to make this game uh playable if you just played rebirth like okay. you can just play this and the story should be like good enough and like character driven enough that like it'll work as a, a standalone but of course it's added if you play of course the other and the entire compilation and everything else uh, about Final Fantasy VII. But another thing against it for me was how fresh off of Final Fantasy 16 I am and how much I loved that. Yeah. And a lot of people here are kind of funny. Love Final Fantasy VII remakes combat because it's more action focused compared to obviously the originals, turn-based active time battles um, and uh, most Final Fantasies, even the more actiony ones like a 15 it's still turn-based at the end of the day to some extent. And Final Fantasy VII Remake is the same, right? Where it's action-y, but it's also slow down time. Like, go through the menus to choose what spell you want to cast. Like, all that stuff. And it was a lot harder for me this time to... Mm, come off of To come off 16. of 16, which was full to the action side. Um, so, it mainly affected me in terms of maneuverability on the battlefield of wanting to close the gap between uh, me and an enemy. To, like, slice them, just getting over there. There's not a dash. There's sure, not a jump. Sure, uh, And so, it was just kind of hard for me to, to wrap my head around that. Um, but then, you know, after playing it a little bit, you start understanding how the game wants you to play it. And, like, you sit into it. And I, I loved the battle system in Remake. Loving the battle system here. I do think... There's a couple too many elements going on, and maybe this was just me playing this limited demo, but earlier I was showing in the open world sections, some of the um, asks of you for the additional challenges are pressure the enemy, stagger the enemy, and uh, we were all playing, and sometimes things would happen, sometimes they wouldn't, and I asked, I was like, hey, like, I'm trying to, like, I've staggered them, I want to pressure them, what's the difference there? And they couldn't even really answer me. They're like, oh, it just, it, sometimes when you when you attack them, it, it does that. And I was like, okay, but it's a challenge. Like, I'm trying to do it. And so I was like, I felt really stupid. Then I heard, like, three other people ask the exact same thing. And yeah, they're not yeah, really yeah. being an answer. And I was like, this is kind of weird. Um, and it just kind of feels like maybe just one too many things sure. that are uh, in the combat system that, at least for this demo, didn't really make sense. You hope when you actually play the game from start, yeah. right, you get introduced to that, you understand a little bit more. They teach you what that is. Yeah, so that those things were a little frustrating to me. And then um, the a problem that I've had since Final Fantasy XV um, and Remake didn't solve this at all is how imprecise the... Um, 
interacting with things in the world is where you need the camera to be just right so the triangle prompt pops up so you can hit triangle and don't move too far or else it's not gonna uh, open it the way you want to and it becomes this like battle with the the buttons and just trying to get everything lined up and i felt like i ran into that so many times oh, yeah. in this and again 16 didn't have that problem so it it was just hard for me in multiple ways in terms of quality of life stuff sure. to feel like we're regressing a little bit um so that's the negatives Positives, it's Final Fantasy VII Remake too. Like these story beats, without fail, get me going. I am just so into this. I love the performances. I feel like Final Fantasy VII Remakes, one of the greatest uh, accomplishments uh, it had was how real the characters felt and like sure. the way that they spoke felt not just like weird kind of like archetypes, but it felt like what Barrett should sound like, what Tifa should sound like, Cloud, all of them like it felt like the definitive version for me of like it lived up to my expectations and uh they seem to be continuing that for sure it's beautiful the locations the environments it's it's just unbelievable seeing places for the first time really is just so impressive this is under junon here and i can't even believe that they made under junon look like this because it just this is how it should look greg like yeah, this is yeah. they they just really nailed that stuff but then on top of that they just nailed the silliness that Final Fantasy VII has. It could be so serious and so, um, like, the world is ending and we're, we're here with each other. What are we going to do? Avalanche, avalanche, all that stuff. But then you got Red 13, this, this little, like, talking tiger guy. And then he rides a chocobo, Greg. And when he rides a chocobo, he gets on the chocobo and he rides it like a human. Yeah. And it's awesome. <laughs> it's just awesome. <laughs> but, like, they just commit to that type of silliness and just like, yeah, this is the world that we're in. And, like deal with it uh you get to ride the chocobos which is awesome um like kind of especially in the open areas it's uh very necessary because they, yeah, get get they can get kind of big um but then one of the weirder things going back to me thinking this demo you can pet the chocobos as well everybody. hey um but one of the weirder things about this demo is we got to play this open area we got to play the flashback scene the trailer that dropped has so much other shit that the, the demo did not have Sure. And um, like obviously that's how things are going to work. I'm just a little surprised because the uh, trailer showed so many of the the fun the mini games. It seems like every mini game is back, which uh, it, we did not think would have been the case. Um, but like the amount of things that they they showed the, the Cosmo Canyon and um, Casa del Sol, just like the like Golden Saucer, the big casino Vegasy type yeah, area yeah. where a lot of the mini games are. They're all there, and they they showed that stuff. A lot of the different characters um, in the trailer, Vincent and stuff, like really exciting stuff. And the demo we played, I was just kind of like, this is just not what I would have done. Uh, for so this. we're back to, yeah, like the demo. Not, this isn't a comment on the quality of the game. It's just a, a comment on the demo not hyping you up as much as the trailer did. Yeah. Oh, like by a long shot. Yeah, that yeah, trailer, yeah. I was like, yeah, this is pitch perfect. And the, the demo, I was like, yeah, okay. You know, this yeah. is, and, and it sucks because I feel like there was a couple things that I, like I was saying, I didn't love about it. And, um, one of them was in the story-based uh, part of the game where you're, you're walking around your, your cloud and you're with Sephiroth, um, and it's a, a flashback that's five years before the events of Remake, um, and you're kind of climbing up this mountain, and it, it felt like Uncharted 1 a little bit, okay. um, like the climbing mechanics, Got where it. it was like, oh, here's the clear line I'm supposed to go up. doesn't feel good necessarily. It's a little slower than I'd like it to be. And it kind of just felt like I'm going through the motions to trigger the next either combat scene or cut scene. Sure. And I think that is where I'm at right now. And again, I feel like I'm coming off a lot more negative than I, I want to. Be critical. But uh, yeah, yeah, critical, negative, different things. I, I want to make sure I'm, I'm being critical here, not negative. Because a uh, lot of good here. I think that the story and the cutscenes are in incredible. The combat... Uh, with the exception of the weird pressure stagger thing that like I think is a me problem and a presentation problem more than an actual thing for yeah, the yeah. final game um, was thrilling and so much fun. And the the dual character attacks that you can set up, it was just awesome, especially Cloud and Sephiroth fighting together. Like the the level of they know what they're doing with it is off the charts. Sephiroth calling Cloud a little puppy. It's like they're they're just playing with their fan base and they're delivering hardcore 
uh, to a lot of the little freaks out there. Okay, <laughs> let me put it that way. Um, but, I want to yeah. talk more about that. Yeah, the Claude Sephiroth thing. Uh-huh. But I want to talk to our little freaks, and of course, remind them that if you are a little freak for a kind of funny and PS, I love you XOXO, you need to get your beautiful buns over to Patreon.com/slash Kind of Funny over on Patreon.com/slash Kind of Funny. Of course, you can get each and every episode of PS, I love you XOXO ad free. You can watch us usually live as we record it, and of course, you could get all the other podcasts the exact same way. On top of that you could get 300 that's right 300 plus bonus episodes of content we've put up since october when we moved into the spare bedroom and you can get cool exclusive physical goods but i digress you're not on patreon.com slash kind of funny so here's a word from our sponsors this episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I can't even count the amount of nights I lose sleep because I just can't stop thinking and my brain just won't stop talking. It turns out one great way to make those racing thoughts go away is to talk them through. Therapy gives you a place to do that so you can get out of your negative thought cycles and find some mental and emotional peace and it can give you the tools to find more balance in your life. Some of my best friends use BetterHelp and love how helpful it can be for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. You can find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash kindoffunny today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash kindoffunny. Betterhelp.com slash kindoffunny. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. So when this demo starts and it's Cloud and Sephiroth, do you pop immediately? Because like that's obviously such an iconic duo that I even as somebody who doesn't connect with Final Fantasy VII original, mm-hmm. I knew that relationship. Let alone to then get to uh, the remake and have it there, and then now be, hey, guess what? We're on the other side of even having a Crisis Core, even having Zach involved in all of this. Well, that's the funniest thing you bring up is Crisis Core, where we've played this before. In Crisis Core. Yeah. This, this is a, a flashback scene that uh, we have seen from multiple perspectives, even in the original game. Um, remake might have even had a scene of it or something somewhere. Uh, yeah, I think it did, where we get a flashback where Tifa's in her little, like, cowgirl outfit. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Um, yeah, so that that's this scene here. So we've, we've seen this before, and this is where the fun begins uh, when it comes to Final Fantasy VII Remake, Rebirth, all of it. It's like... I love these games, and I've played uh, the majority of the Final Fantasy VII games multiple times, but some of them, it's been a, been a long time. Yeah, it's been And a even bit. Crisis Core, I did just play it in December. Um, but it's like, I, when there's lines of dialogue that are so close to how they used to be, it's hard to tell, is that different on purpose, or is that just modernized? Like, are you trying to tell me something with this line yeah, being yeah, different? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is your, your use of... Uh, a, a word like a, a a a tense of a word like in terms of past or present or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. is that not, like is that trying to tell us where we're at in this world and why certain things happened or is do it I just, just good modern localization kind of stuff? Exactly. Yeah. So it's interesting. Uh, so that stuff I was like thrilled by. Of like I don't re- did this happen? Did we fight this guy before? I don't really remember. So I I love that type of stuff. Um, but. Yeah, the the last thing I want to say about the uh, the little the, the in between the combat and story beat stuff is like there was a lot of just busy work. So in addition, like the climbing up the the mountain, there would be like there was this part where there was a uh, um, like a fog that was um, out on like one of the the the, the landings, and there's like this big vacuum machine. I need to bring the vacuum machine over to like suck up the fog. Yeah, yeah. and it just felt so like. We don't want to let you get to the next cutscene yet. Like, it, there wasn't fun to be had. There. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Busy for work, a game yeah. that, like, I wasn't having that much fun moving around in, having to then fight the camera a little bit, real specific nitpicks here, but it's like, I do think that's where the criticism comes into sure. play of, like, why it's not so fun to get from point A to point B. Um, and Remake had some of that as well, but I just kind of wish that, especially the move to an open world, I wish that uh, that stuff would have been ironed out so it would be a little bit more fun to just move around in between the big set PC stuff. So with those criticisms, 
you play it. You, you, you everything you said so far, I think again is coming off on that whelmed variety. Yeah. Based on then you talk about this trailer you saw that then made you pop and stuff like that. Do you feel like this game is going to exceed what you've done in this demo, or do you feel like you're now setting your expectations a bit lower? What do you think that means for everybody else playing, et cetera, et cetera? It's it's going to be interesting. I I feel like again this goes back to. What is your favorite thing about Final Fantasy VII? Is it the beginning, middle, or end? Yeah. And I feel like there are a lot. I would say my answer is the beginning. And I feel like what I got out of Final Fantasy VII Remake delivered everything I could have wanted. I feel like there's a potential here because this part of the game is not my favorite. I think that there is a chance for it to wow the hell out of me. And there's some potential surprises and changes, switch-ups, or not, that they may or may not do, that I am completely intrigued by and I think could like be really, really special. There is just a lot of stuff that I'm not the biggest fan of. I personally don't really need a whole bunch of mini games and yeah, like, yeah, all that yeah, type yeah. of stuff, and that's what we're going to get. So um, I, I feel like with what I played on um, a couple days ago, I, I feel like all my nitpicks, all of my thoughts, whatever, I, I would give that experience a three out of five. Okay. And I would give Final Fantasy VII Remake a five out of five. I don't know where I see this. But Netting playing, out. But I think it could be three, four, five. God, I hope it's not a two. But like, <laughs> I, I don't think it will. I really don't think it will be. But yeah, no, I, I am. I'm surprised at how whelmed I am uh, uh, by, by the demo. That sucks. The trailer definitely upped it. Um, but yeah, and, and hey, playing it right after Spider-Man, there's a lot of factors sure. here. I just want to explain to everybody where I'm at. But like, being completely honest, I think I'm going to be lower than a lot of other people. But I thought that demo was okay. All right. All right. Anything else that we didn't cover on it that you want to talk about? Were there additions to combat? Did it just feel exactly the yeah, same? Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest addition to the combat was the uh, synergy attacks where you're kind of like uh, fighting with Working this new thing. And what was really cool about them is they don't take up your active time oh, battle, nice. uh, bar. Okay. So you can kind of just use them as much as you want. Uh, so it's more about like how much time that all takes up and getting people in the right spots and, and just using the right combinations of them. But it really made it feel like you you have a team that's working together. And yeah. um, it was a limited demo, so I don't know if this will last for the entire game, but like they felt fairly bespoke. Like it didn't okay. feel like pre-canned things, even though obviously it has to be to some extent. Sure. Um, but, but you it, weren't seeing the same animation over and over. No, and if you did, the camera was in a different place. Okay. And like just, okay. It, it felt like every enemy encounter meant something, okay. which was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there there were a lot of things that I was like looking at where I'm like, oh man, these like hooded people are walking around and like, what are they up to now? Like what what are them being here means a lot. But what's it mean? And so I'm definitely excited about the the what ifs uh, of it all, the answers. They feel like they're putting out a lot of things for people to be like, hey, look at this. You're look at thinking that. That. for a reason. Yeah. And we're going to deliver on that. Okay. No were, Zach in my demo at all. Were there any big re reveals in your demo for Not, story? Okay, okay. Uh, no. Okay. No. Because no. obviously I know we're on to this different timeline. And yeah. So in that? the in the demo, um, I guess the biggest things we we see are the group kind of seemingly meet Yuffie for the first time. Yuffie was uh the star of the DLC, the DLC intergrade that came out. Um, and it, it seems like that was their first like major introduction okay. to each other. Um, or at least an early understanding of who she is um but yeah we ended with a big boss fight that was actually super super fun fighting this big like water dragon thing um and you're on this uh platform and like water would shoot up from underneath you so you need to like get away from it so it was very active a lot of rolling um and like, it was fun and music was thrilling like it really got your your heart racing and then uh this little dolphin pops out of nowhere oh. and, and kind of helps you out and uh it ends with the dolphin jumping up and cloud jumping on the dolphin awesome. Awesome. mario yoshi style alley-ooping off to to finish off the bad guy and i was like this is why i love final fantasy 7 uh never change all right uh final fantasy 7 rebirth isn't that far away february 29th 2024 here comes the alley-oop you were talking about yeah, i assume thank you <laughs> yeah come on yeah come on now that's, that's teamwork right there that's that's teamwork <laughs> I mean, I'll be interested to see how it all nets up, where yeah. this comes out and what it shines down to him. But for now, let's move on to this week in PlayStation. I got one story for you, ladies and gentlemen. No Elder Scrolls 6 for PlayStation 5. This is Wesley Yinpool over at IGN.com. 
The exclusivity status of the Elder Scrolls 6 was one of the burning questions following Microsoft's $7.5 billion buyout of Bethesda back in 2021. Xbox boss Phil Spencer has danced around the issue, most recently insisting a decision has yet to be made. But now, according to one of Microsoft's own documents, the debate is over. The Elder Scrolls 6 is set to skip PlayStation 5. Axios reporter Stephen Totillo tweeted a freshly unsealed document lifted from the Federal Trade Commission, FTC, versus Microsoft trial over the Activision Blizzard buyout, and it includes a list of announced Bethesda games along with which platforms they will be released on and their release window intentions. Of particular interest in this section uh, is Elder Scrolls 6, which, according to the document, will not launch on PlayStation 5 and instead launch on uh, Xbox and PC only. Uh, its release date is shown to be TBC, but the game is, quote, unquote, expected 26, tw- I'm sorry, 2026 or later. Microsoft, Microsoft has yet to make a formal announcement about the launch platforms or release window for the Elder Scrolls 6. IGN has asked Microsoft for comment. And of course, this was before we're recording this for an embargo before today's news on Tuesday of Xbox being, or being like, actually, we post these or not even Xbox. We post these documents by accident. Phil saying this sucks. It got out this way. And obviously plans are in flux and these are old things too. So they might change and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. No real surprise. Not here. at all. I mean, again, After Starfield, you, you this is to be expected, let alone just w- why do you buy studios to push games? Else? Exactly. And uh, me and Bless uh, broke this down a couple days ago on Games Daily. But yeah, it, it's not a surprise now. It's obvious. Obviously was a surprise a couple years ago. But yeah. that's how this works. Now that Microsoft owns Bethesda. Yeah, the Bethesda games are going to be exclusive to, to Xbox and PC. Cool. Elder Scrolls 6 is one of those. Yep. Yeah, it's doing business is what they bought them for and everything else. Still sucks. To a degree, because I'm playing my Starfield over on Xbox, having a great time. Like, God, I wish I was trophy hunting in this. Yeah. Because uh, I just don't care about my achievements. Everyone has their specific things, man. I know. You know, and that's. Hey, I'm, that's... I'm glad I have a reason to turn on the Xbox. I'm glad I, I have hey, a reason exactly. to use that Xbox. Yeah. Let's move on to PlayStation picks. This is stuff that is coming out this week for you to keep your uh, eyes on. Of course, Lies of P, Mortal Kombat 1, and Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty and that 2.0 update. Uh, this is not even the rare occasion where we just crushed this at Kind of Funny. Oh, yeah. Lies of P reviews up on the Kind of Funny Gamescast. Mortal Kombat 1 impressions from Blessing are up as a Kind of Funny Gamescast. And, no, wait, no, 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 no. Blessings impressions from Mortal Kombat are up as a, uh, just a TikTok video. Technically, I'm on vacation, so I don't know. Yeah, th- later this week, uh, we're actually recording our review. Uh, oh, a know. bonus Gamescast. So no Xcast this week. Instead, we're doing a Gamescast uh, that will be me, Blessing, uh, Mitchell Saltzman, and oh. Leaf Adams uh, giving our thoughts on Mortal Kombat 1, which I am over halfway through the campaign. Yeah. And I can't wait to talk about it. You have Same. a good time? Having a great time. Yeah. Yeah. This is my first ever uh, story, uh, story campaign for Immortal Kombat. It kicks ass. Very it interesting. Really does. All right. Great. And then Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty, we're about to review in a time warp. Mm-hmm. So by the time this publishes, the Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty review as a games cast will already be live. But as we are recording this, we have not recorded the Cyberpunk Phantom yeah. Liberty review yet. Mm-hmm. Gonna be a fascinating one. It is because I think I'm way lower on it than it uh, than ever. Ooh, yeah. spice everybody. Yeah. And it, I mean, way lower. We'll see. But I was when I popped in and Bless was playing it, I was like, "Oh, what do you think?" He's like, "I love it" or whatever. I was like, "Ooh, okay." I did not have. I mean, I'm not again. Oh. I, I what, a lot of what you said about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, the demo rang true with me with this game. Like, it's a good time, but it's like, okay, I'm whelmed. Yeah, we'll talk about it on Gamescast. You can get that. It should be live if everything went according to plan on YouTube.com. Gosh, kind of funny games. And of course, podcast services around the globe. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that is because Paris is joining us. I know Andy's played some. I'm excited to talk about it because I've talked to zero people about it on vacation. Jen has not wanted to hear about it. So yeah. we'll see what's up. Love that. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim. Yeah. I don't want you to get out of here yet. I almost, I almost transitioned. I forgot you wrote something in for PlayStation picks. What have you been? What did you pick to play on PlayStation this week? Uh, well, Mortal Kombat One has yeah. been the, the main thing I've actually been playing on uh, PlayStation. But I wanted to give a shout out. Dolby Atmos is here. Uh, the the beta update is now just part of the official update. So you can uh, download the new PS5 firmware. And one of the newest things is Dolby Atmos support. True Dolby Atmos support. Uh, and it takes everything that was done for the PlayStation Tempest audio engine, and it just applies it to Atmos for people that have. Um, at Atmos supported speakers, which is a, a lot more people than all these other weird spe- uh, specific things, um, because a lot of sound bars 
have Dolby Atmos support and like sure a lot of it's just simulation whatever sure sure, sure. but what's really 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 special about this is I thought it would never happen um I do have a uh, full Dolby Atmos sound system yeah um because I care about that stuff a lot and it was eternally frustrating to me that PlayStation because of its focus on Tempest and how it did things you were only getting the true benefits of their 3D audio the sending the the pictures yeah, yeah. to Mark Cerny stuff uh, you're only getting the benefits really with headphones. And it was just like, all right, like, and specifically like some of the wireless headphones. So like you're giving up on quality to get the fancy 3D stuff. All that felt a little backwards to me. The ways around it were stupid and convoluted. Microsoft had an, an exclusivity deal with Atmos. I don't know what happened with all that, but we won out here. And uh, Atmos is now here and seeing the little Atmos thing pop up. I was like, oh my God, this is about to be awesome. Now it's still early. We haven't really had too many major releases come out. Um, we haven't had any releases with this kind of uh, in, in, in mind for audio design. Um, but what's cool about it without going too long on this, Greg, go for it. Yeah. Dolby Atmos the whole show is, is, is about PlayStation. It's, it's special because it is uh, like 3d audio, um, whether it's Tempest or Atmos or um, I'm forgetting the other one right now, but any of the different 3D audio, um, kind of uh, the DTS, that's what it is, DTSX. Um, Down to sound. It is, so there's 5.1, there's 7.1 when you're talking about surround sound, right? And that's just essentially designing things. So this, like vocals come out of the center speaker and then the left and right speaker are mainly like music and sound effects. And it's really just kind of decided on what, how do we simulate the sounds coming from here or coming from there? And then if you get the back speakers, you'll just get like, Oh, they have real stuff, explosions and things like that. What makes Atmos special and, and Tempest and all the 3D stuff is it's object-based sounds. So it's not so much, oh, this thing's on the right side of the screen. It's literally this object sounds like this wherever it is. So they, they design audio cues based on this helicopter that's going over you. And because of how video games are made, like in-engine and things like that, you can stand there and spin the camera around and it's going around, and that's going to affect what's on your screen, which is affects where that sound should come from. Okay. Which is different than a movie or a sure, TV show, course, where it's a designed experience. So it is more of a designed thing of like, oh, yeah, there's these sounds behind you that are a bit more immersive just because they're trying to add jungle sounds because the characters are in the jungle. In a video game, you can spin it around, and there's a waterfall here, but now the waterfall is there yeah, depending yeah, on the camera. Yeah. That is where it gets interesting because the waterfall, is it's object-based audio. So it's, it's coming. The, when you spin around, you're going to hear it cycle around you and trust me i spent hours testing just this out in the it. jungle spinning cameras <laughs> yeah. and some games had a lot better than others because it is kind of just translating what's already there um and uh ratchet and clank i was a little let down by ah. and uh, i'm worried because it's insomniac and yeah. spider-man's coming out but um i also think that they will they know what they have going for them there but returnal blew my mind if you guys have access to returnal dolby atmos of anything pop it in spin around <laughs> see what's going on it's very damn impressive, and I'm happy this is here. It's going to be really big for PlayStation. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm excited to see more about that. I'm excited to talk about Cyberpunk over on the Gamescast, and I'm excited to keep doing PS I Love You. Remember, PS I Love You XOXO is your PlayStation podcast. You can pick it up each and every week on YouTube.com slash Games. Podcast services around the globe, usually on Friday, except when there's a cool PlayStation embargo for us to meet. And remember, of course, the best way to get PS I Love You XOXO is Patreon.com slash Funny. On Patreon.com slash Funny, you can watch us record the shows live, usually. You can watch the other podcasts get recorded live. You can get them all ad-free on demand and ad-free live. You can get 300 bonus episodes of content. You can get cool... Uh, exclusive items you can do so much only on patreon.com slash kind of funny we will be back with another ps i love you xoxo next week but until then it's been our pleasure to serve you